Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Uh, in today's episode, we are going to be discussing the Julian Edelman contract extension with the New England Patriots. Then we're going to get to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They cut Gerald McCoy and they signed the Dominican Sioux. Uh, we're going to get to that, and then after that, we'll be talking my reaction to the all-rookie NBA teams. Uh, not too many surprises, but a few things maybe I'd change. I'm, um, then I think I'm going to try to find my all-rookie NBA all-rookie predictions, and when I get those down, I'll compare my predictions. How did they end up um, going through? Was I, was I correct or was I incorrect? We'll get to all that. Then we're going to go over the Warriors versus Trailblazer series, the Warriors with the sweep there. Um, we'll get to all of that, but first we're going to start with the Julian Edelman contract extension, so let's get to that. All right, so if you haven't heard the news yet, the New England Patriots extended wide receiver Julian Edelman to uh, two more years on his contract, two-year extension tacked onto his one year left, so he'll be staying in New England for three more years. Edelman is already 32, but just previously one Super Bowl MVP for the last Super Bowl, um, the one the Patriots won against the Rams. Yeah, you already know. Uh, but the extension included an $8 million signing bonus and $12 million in guaranteed money. So, obviously, Edelman, nicknamed Mr. Reliable, second all-time in playoff yards, although he's had a lot of opportunities to rack up those yards. Edelman deserves this. And despite his age... Uh, he's still a very good receiver. I do think he's a little bit of a shell of himself from maybe what he was back, you know, a few years ago. But he's still a great receiver, and I think he deserves this money because the fact that he's only made so uh, little money here. He's been one of your best players in the roster, and like this season, coming into 2019, he's scheduled to make a base salary of two million dollars, and he has like bonuses that might get him up to like two point seven five. Uh, you know, up almost up to three million, but he's worth a lot of money, and he hasn't got it. And I think Edelman, he's just been a hard worker, and he's been a great receiver for you. That he deserves that that money. And although I think by the time he hits the age of thirty five, I think by the time we're in twenty twenty one, I don't think he'll be worth that money to be honest. Because let's be honest, he's still he's thirty two. Next season he'll be. 33 and 34 and 35. Pine me, it's 35. I don't think Edelman will be worth the money, but he still won't be that bad. He'll still be, you know, going out there for some passes. I don't think he'll be as good. Maybe not really a Pro Bowl receiver anymore, but it makes up for the these big pay cuts that he's taken. And not even, it wasn't his choice. It was just, it was just a contract before they didn't expect him to be this good. So, I think it kind of makes up, and you're kind of paying him your dues. Um, because at that, he's been underpaid, I think, by the time that third year of his deal, that 2021 year, he won't be worth all that money, but it kind of makes up for it. Overall, it makes sense to extend him. Not too much to talk about here. Um, just a little bit of information on that. So now we are going to get to the Dominic and Sue signing in um, Tampa Bay and how they cut Gerald McCoy. So let's get to that. All right, so if you're any sort of NFL fan, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for the first time in a while, have kind of been the center of attention. Uh, last night, they cut Gerald McCoy. No one really saw it coming, and it kind of caught the NFL 
uh, community by storm. And the reason was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't want to um, pay him his $13 million salary he was owed for 2019. Which makes kind of sense. McCoy was McCoy's a very good player. Um, and, it, it, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Uh, not after nine seasons. I personally uh, just thought he's a very underrated player. You know, now now he's getting uh, some uh, fame. I don't know if it's fame, but he's getting some attention. Uh, that's, that's a better word for it. But he's picked third back in the 2010 draft by the Bucks, so he's been there his whole career. Last season, he had 28 total tackles, six sacks, and yeah. So 28 total, six sacks. I mean, you can definitely tell he's not worth that 13 mil anymore, but he's still a very good player. Now, then they signed, they're reportedly signing Nadam and Sue to a one year deal. deal. Sue is definitely an upgrade. I think McCoy is underrated, but he's not the same player anymore, and he's not worth that money. So I think the Bucks sat there and said, you know what? We're in talks with the Dominican Sioux. Let's get Gerald McCoy off the books uh, and release him. Uh, he's done great things for the organization, but he's 31, definitely on the decline. So let's get Ndamukong Sue in here. And personally, I don't mind this move at all. Uh, Sue definitely gives him an upgrade up front. McCoy's very good, but yes, Sue is an upgrade. And McCoy didn't have a fantastic contract either. Now, my question with the Bucks is... If you're signing, you know, can you really contend, though? You know, you're going to get Sue to upgrade the position, but will it even matter? Is this just a one-year rental to bring a few fans into the crowd and maybe compete a little more and, you know, still low expectations? So I think that's what it is. I think you sat there and said, well, let's cut Gerald McCoy. And by doing this, you know, we're going to lose some a few fans, maybe. Not, not necessarily fans, but, you know, we're not going to have a lot of fans showing up to our games in general. You lose Gerald McCoy. I think that hurts a little. So, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get his bad contract off the books and bring in Sue. We're going to bring in a bigger name on a better contract for one year just so we can compete a little harder and fill up the stands a little more, get the TV ratings up a little. I really think that's what it was because there's no real point. You're not, you're not really going to be competing. Maybe they're going to try at least with a guy like Sue, but – Again, I'm not sure. I think there's a lot of teams in it with Gerald McCoy. I think the Colts could be a big option because they kind of need help on that interior line. They have a lot of cap space. Another team could be the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they they have to. They have a the windows closing. I pay guys like Dak and Amari Cooper. So I'm not really sure who'll go there, but he could definitely help them on that interior. Uh, you know, they have uh, Vander Esch. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence and guys of that nature, but McCoy would definitely help. Not really sure he'll go there. I'm not sure they have the cap space. Um, the Cleveland Browns would be a good one. I, I, it's an interesting one at least because Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham have shown interest. Like, hey, come come to our team, Gerald McCoy. But Cleveland runs a four three defense, and they already have two Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi who's actually very good. I just don't know how to pronounce his uh, last name. Sorry. But they it's not really a team need, but McCoy would just – oh, he, he would help them for sure. Again, 
they showed interest. I don't really see McCoy going to Cleveland despite all his interest just because it's not a team need. And I'm not sure that Cleveland's going to really look at it. We really got to go after this guy. The Seahawks would be a um, interesting one to say the least. They traded away Frank Clark, um, which freed up a lot of cap space. So they might go after Gerald McCoy. The Chargers could. Chargers only have around $13 million in cap space, but they really don't have a defensive tackle. They did draft Jerry Tillery in the first round, but the thing with Tillery is he's only a rookie. Can he come in and fill that void right away? I'm not sure. I could also see him. I doubt he'll go to the Patriots just because of the cap space thing. I could maybe see him going to the Packers. You know, some teams of that essence. He's going to go somewhere where they're trying to make a playoff. That's what Jerome Corey is. He's a 31-year-old defensive tackle on the decline that's played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think Tim Gerald McCoy's interest to go somewhere where he can win, and it really only makes sense for him. He's not going to be a player for the future. For him to probably go somewhere on a short-term deal and a team trying to contend and make a playoff push. And again, the Seahawks may be in a rebuild, but I still think they're trying to compete as well. So I think those are some teams on the table for Gerald McCoy. Again, it would be in his best interest to go play somewhere where he can win, and it really only makes sense for uh, you know, contending team or a team trying to make a playoff push to sign him on a one or two year deal but again interesting in uh tampa bay i don't think it was a horrible move by them because you need to get that contract off the bush books but you get sue to kind of you know keep the you know keep the fan interest and keep competing and even get an upgrade at the position with a better contract value wise so yeah it makes sense i mean mccoy is probably a leader for that team nine seasons with the organization very good player i hope the best for him I know cuts, getting cuts not very easy. It wasn't his fault. It's not like he's playing bad. Those stats, you know, 28 tackles, 6 sacks are definitely uh, good enough um, in the NFL to get you a roster spot. It's just a 13 mil. wasn't working for Tampa Bay anymore. But, yeah, we'll see how all that all works out. So now we are going to get to my reaction to the All-NBA rookie teams. Um, my predictions, I made them a while back, but I made them once the regular season ended. So I'm going to read off my predictions and how they turned out. So let's get to that. All right. So back on April 14th's episode, if you want to go back and listen to that and make sure I'm not lying to you here, I made my all-NBA predictions. I made basically all my award predictions, which I'm probably going to do again. I Like, I don't know. Uh, but here were my All-NBA rookie team predictions. So for the All-NBA second team, I predicted Shy Gildas Alexander with the point guard, shooting guard Landry Shamit, small forward Macal Bridges, power forward Jaron Jackson Jr., and center Mitchell Robinson. Now, Macal Bridges, I just listened to this, and here's what I said. I said small forward was a tough one between Kevin Knox and... Kevin Herter in Macal Bridges, and I decided to go with Macal Bridges. A little bit of a sleeper here. Now, uh, why why did I choose Macal Bridges? I, I don't know. Maybe I thought he deserved it over Knox, and Herter Herter ended up uh, being the man. Um, overall, it ended up the end result. Then for my first team, I predicted Trey Young, Colin Sexton, Luka Doncic, Marvin Bagley, and DeAndre Ayton. So those predictions aren't too shabby. The only ones I got um, wrong here were Jaron Jackson Jr., Colin Sexton swap, and Macal Bridges doesn't make it and said Kevin Herter. So 
I basically got 9 out of 10 of them. I got 9 out of the 10 players correct and 7 out of the 10 spots correct. So if you ask me, that's not bad at all. Those were my predictions. Overall, I think the toughest decision for them was deciding between Jaron Jackson Jr. and Colin Sexton. Uh, I think that was the, the toughest one. I think the more that I think about it, it makes sense why Kevin Herter took that. You know, that was my bad. I don't know why I put Mikhail Bridges, but I did. We make predictions. I thought maybe he's a little bit of a sleeper and could sneak his way on. Underrated 3 and D wing. I like Mikhail Bridges, but he didn't make it. Uh, sometimes we're wrong in sports predictions, and I was this time. But Colin Sexton, Jaron Jackson Jr. is probably a very tough one for them because Colin Sexton kind of looked like a little bit of a bust at the beginning. Is a little too hated on. Jaron Jackson Jr. looked great. Then Jaron Jackson Jr. went down with an injury, and Colin Sexton just lit it up, especially from three. And I think that was a tough one. I think if there was one, that that was their toughest decision. Uh, maybe the Kevin Hearder one got to them a little bit as well, but I don't think that one was too much. I think that was a tough decision. Jaron Jackson Jr. or Colin Sexton. So that was kind of what, what I got wrong for that. Um, I know I just keep kind of flying through these segments. Overall, it's hard to react to the All-NBA rookie team because this is kind of what most people predicted. There wasn't anything absurd on there. That was definitely almost a coin flip. But I I think, you know, maybe Colin Sexton does, uh, you know, just a little better. Uh, He might surpass Jaron Jackson Jr. It's definitely close between the two. Um, for sure. I love Jaron Jackson Jr. I just think it was that injury really killed him, but he still made that all NBA first team. So congratulations to him. Uh, and again, Cal Bridges just still don't know why I chose him. But again, I'm flying through these segments today. I usually don't make them this short, but they're just kind of quick topics, hot topics, uh, around sports today. So I'm just going over them. They're quick. Uh, nothing I can do about that. But, yeah, that's my. Uh, those are my predictions, reviewing those predictions. Now we are going to get to the Portland Trailblazers versus Golden State Warriors uh, series, uh, the Warriors with the sweep. So let's get to that. All right, so as most NBA fans know by now, Golden State Warriors going to their fifth straight NBA Finals, sweeping the Portland Trailblazers without Kevin Durant the whole entire series. Now... <clears throat> Excuse me. Personally, I feel this series was a little closer and definitely could be at least like a 2-2 series or a 3-1 series at this point. The Trailblazers really uh, didn't play well down the stretch was their problem. Um, and, you know, Dame's very clutch, but, you know, the Warriors did a very good job, especially without Kevin Durant. I don't think the Warriors are better without KD. There were definitely some games they could have lost, I think, Portland, you know, they're they they're not a Western Conference. They're not a conference finals team. They're a great story and all, but they're not they they're not really worthy to be in that position. I hate to say it. I love the Trailblazers. Might be my second favorite team, actually. One of my favorite teams anyway in the NBA. You just you knew the Warriors were gonna win, but I don't buy this. They're better without Kevin Durant. Um you know, game one, they win 116 to 94. They won that one comfortably, shut down Damon CJ that game. And then game two, you squeaked it out by three points. Game three, um, you won by 11 points, but they were up pretty big at the half. Um, the Trailblazers were. You just shut them down in the third quarter and outplayed them in the fourth. Uh, so that game, I mean, you, yes, you won. They played much better than you in the first half. They just kind of crumbled in that second half. Third game, uh, that was the 
Jeez, that was the third game. And then the fourth game, you win in overtime. So, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not taking that series away for the Warriors. I'm just saying it wasn't as close of a 4 0 sweep as you think. Yeah, Warriors versus Trailblazers, a 4 0 sweep. It wasn't that hand uh, handily, if you will. Like, game one was, but game two was very close. Game three. It wasn't close. It wasn't too close at the end, but the Trailblazers had him after that first half. And Game Four was an overtime win. This series could be three-one Warriors or even two-two uh, tied. I don't think the Trailblazers were up one-three. Like I can't say. Well, the Trailblazers could have won Game Two, could have kept the lead in Game Three, and won that overtime in Game Four. I don't see all of that happening. I see them at least winning one of those three, or even two of those three. And I thought Game Two was a must-win. And here's why for the Portland Trailblazers. You lose game one. They don't have Kevin Durant. And at the time, we thought maybe KD comes back for the rest of the series. But that, plus you're facing the Golden State Warriors. You know they're better than you. So you have to take one in Golden State and go back to your home arena with it tied. You can't go down 2-0 against this team. I'm sorry. Against the Warriors, it's going to be very hard. I know the whole blowing 3-1 leads. But come on. This is the Portland Trailblazers, not the LeBron Cavs. That's almost impossible to do. And, you know, if you don't have a guy like LeBron on that team, I'm not sure. Like, Dame's great, but no, you can't go down 2-0 against that team. I thought that series was over by then. I really did. And then you lose that game, and I said, all right, it's over. And those were, you know, game three was, you know, Trailblazers first half, Warriors second half, and game four was great. But even if the Trailblazers win game four, they probably lose game five in Golden State anyway. Um, I wanted a little more from Damian Lillard. I didn't think he was great down the stretch in those games. Uh, 22.3 points per game is certainly great, but 40.6 minutes. And in that series, the Warriors, you needed more from him. C.J. McCollum was all right. Myers Leonard really stepped up for you. Seven rebounds, three assists, 17.7 points per game with 29.4 minutes. Uh, he had that big triple-double in game four, really kept you in it. Harkless wasn't bad. Overall, though, you need more from guys like Cantor has to step up. Hood was all right, but really, like, you know, I want to see a little more from guys like, you know, Cantor, Seth Curry, you know, just some of these guys like Aminu, Turner Collins. You have a lot of these underrated role players, but they need to step up in that series. Um, Curry went off in the series, 39.7 minutes, 36.5 points, with 8.3 around 7.3 assists. He was putting up LeBron playoff numbers because, you know, that stat line, 36.5, 8.3, and 7.3, sounds like LeBron-esh numbers because of especially the rebounds. Curry's an eh passer. Average of 7.3 assists. Curry is a midget that never grabs rebounds. 8.3 points rebounds per game in 36.5 minutes. This just sounds like a LeBron stat line. Almost a triple-double for Curry. And Thompson was very underrated in this series, I thought. Uh, Draymond really stepped it up. 16.5 points per game, 11.8 rebounds, 8.8 assists, 2.3 steals, and 2.8 blocks. He averaged... Over five turnovers forced the game. If one player does that, along with grabbing double-digit rebounds, 16.5 points, and 8-point assists, Draymond is such an underrated passer. He always seems to lead this team in assists. He's such an underrated passer. Played a huge role, huge role. He was the team's X-factor. You know, Curry was the reason, but you know he was the X-factor. Draymond held down the fort defensively, grabbing the rebounds, when didn't really seem like other guys really doing it. Him, Curry stepped up as well. 
I thought Kevin Looney really stepped up, 27.6 minutes, averaged 10.6.5 rebounds, one assist, 1.3 steals, one block a game. That's not a monster stat line, but he really did step up, I felt. McKinney, I felt like he stepped up a little at times, like in that, you know, when some of these games stepped up with some big points, like last night he did. And overall, you know, I would have liked to see a little more from Iguodala. He's good defensively at the game-winning steal in Game 2, but overall, maybe a little more from him, especially with Durant out. But no, not too much came playing for with the Warriors. But how does this make the Trailblazers for feel? I mean, the Trailblazers might have a better chance now at some of these free agents. Like... DeMarcus Cousins, uh, who was on the Warriors. He was sitting out, but he's watching the game. Now, DeMarcus Cousins is a guy who could really go to Portland. I think that was a big series for Portland. They at least had to take one game or two and compete with the Warriors because DeMarcus Cousins, I'm sure he knows Trailblazers are – he's probably considering Trailblazers one of his top options this offseason, but he's probably also knows about their run to the Western Conference Finals and says – you know, that was an impressive run, better than I thought. That's intriguing. But then, in real person, he watches them get swept uh, in real person. So I know it kind of depends on how does he look at it. Does he look at it as they went on a good run and got swept by the Warriors, but there were you know three games maybe or at least two that they really could have taken, and maybe with me, we win those games. Or does he look at it as, yeah, they went on a nice run, but when they went up to face uh, – a real championship contending team, you know, do you consider the Thunder and the Nuggets championship contending teams? Once they went up, based that championship contending team, they got swept. How it depends on how he looks at it. Does he look at, yeah, does he see that they competed or in, in a way, does he think he could be that piece that kind of tips them over the edge? I, it just really depends on how he looks at it. I'm not really sure how many big time free agents they have a chance at, but Cousins is probably one, maybe the only one. I think Kevin Durant would be a good fit with that team, somewhat. I'm not. I think you know some people say he'd be a great fit. I think that's a little overrated, but he's not going to go to Portland. He doesn't have a reason to go to Portland. You know what I'm saying? But it would be an interesting thing, just to say the least. I don't think he would go there, but it'd be interesting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this series was just, you know, it was, I thought the Trailblazers were, if you really look at it, they, this could really be a series right now, but Portland just choked down the stretch and, you know, I mean, even in that last game, you looked at it, it was overtime, you got about 34 seconds left, you're down by one, once Draymond's hitting threes in the clutch, that's when, you know, what, what can you do? At that point, I know Kevin Durant to Marcus Cousins, but when Draymond's hitting threes down the stretch, you know, in the clutch time, you know, what are you going to do? That's when it's just like, you know, how can we do this? What can we do? You have Curry, who's going off. He's grabbing rebounds. He's shooting threes, driving to the hoop, uh, passing the rock. You know, Iguodala's getting shut down defense. Clay Thompson hitting threes. But then, you know, Draymond's forcing over five turnovers a game, grabbing double-digit rebounds, moving the ball really well. Now he's hitting threes, too. Like, Draymond was great in that series. He was their X Factor. Overall, it was a little bit better of a series than a sweep, but I thought Draymond was really the X Factor in this series. Yeah, but anyway, we'll see how they perform in the finals. Obviously, I'm sorry I forgot now that I kind of realize it. I never even did, like, a conference finals preview in my predictions. I mean, I made my NBA playoff predictions. We'll go revisit that in a future episode when the playoffs are all set and uh, set and done. I have a few ideas. Uh, exciting. Really excited for this NBA offseason. But anyway, we're going to go over the Trailblazers-Raptors series. 
Um, that one's a little more interesting, so that one will be a little more in-depth and whatnot than this one, just because this was a sweep. But, again, I think there's a little more to dig up and think about than you think. I also thought Curry made Kyrie look a little foolish. You know, Curry right now is kind of, kind of the same situation as Kyrie, a better team for sure. But Curry has had, you know, he's got bad teammates like Draymond running his mouth and he's had suffered injuries and Kyrie hasn't suffered injuries. Like Curry hasn't suffered injuries, but teammates getting hurt and Kyrie hasn't suffered that, but Kyrie suffered some poor teammates, but you never hear a word out of Curry. He's just such a good teammate, but you know, Kyrie always has to find something to complain about. So I'm just saying, you know, Curry making Kyrie look a little foolish. But, yeah, anyway, that's today's episode. Uh, You know, not not too short, but, you know, a few minutes under 30 minutes. But I wouldn't really consider this a short episode. But, anyway, thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you next time.